This week, I've been walking through quicksand, and the entire time I'm going, man, Sunday is going to be crazy, because it seems like everything's going wrong. <laughs> uh, God gave me a thought about a month ago, and uh, he gave me a title, and I didn't understand it. And through um, the journey of discovery, I think I understand what he was saying. But I'm going to give you my title first. And for a short little while, I want to talk about the changing God. The changing God. What do you mean, the changing God? Every time someone darkens the doors of any sanctuary, the first words anybody hear is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. His values are constant. He is unmovable. He is unchangeable. He does not move with public opinion, and his truth will always stand for eternity. He is an unchanging God. He is constant. You don't have to guess what God is thinking because he doesn't change his principles. He doesn't change his values. So what in the world are you talking about when you say the changing God? In order to understand this title, we have to dig into a story to understand what are we talking about with this title, A Changing God. Now, I want to go ahead and read um, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. And I want to talk about Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He reached a certain place where he decided to camp because the sun had gone down. He took one of the stones and placed it near his head. And then he fell asleep in place. And he had a dream. He saw a stairway erected on the earth with his top reaching to the heavens. The angels of God were going up and down, and the Lord stood at its top. And he said, The Lord... I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the grounds you are lying on. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out into the west, the east, the north, and the south. So all the families of the earth may receive blessings through you and through your descendants. And I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. And I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke up and thought, Surely the, God, the Lord is in this place. But I did not realize it. And he was afraid and he said, What an awesome place this is. This is nothing else than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And early in the morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed near his head, and he set it up as a sacred stone. Then he poured oil on top of it, and he called that place Bethel, although the former name of the town was Luz. And Jacob made a vow, saying, I like this part, if God is with me, if God protects me on this journey, if I am taking and he gives me food to eat and clothing to wear, and if I return safely to my father's home, 
then, Lord, you can be my God. Then the stone I set up as sacred stone will be the house of God, and I will show you, give you back a tenth of everything. This is Jacob's first interaction with the God of his father. And I love his response. It's a list of demands. That's all right. When you first meet God, you make demands. That's, that's totally normal. My kids, when they first came, they, they, they still make demands. I don't know how to drive. Obviously, I don't know how to get somewhere. Uh, they like to always correct me. But the God that Jacob met at Bethel gave him a list of promises. He says, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the ground you're lying on. Your descendants will be the dust of the earth, and you will spread out west, east, north, south. And I will protect you wherever you go, and will you bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. These promises is what Jacob gets, and Jacob meets the God of promises. The God of promises, an exciting future for Jacob. God promises an adventurous future for Jacob. God promises numerous possibilities for Jacob. And Jacob leaves this place and gets an introduction to the God of his father. He ends up going to Laban, his uncle's place, falls in love with one of his daughters, gets tricked marrying the older one. He stays there for 21 years working the land and becoming wealthy because the God of promises was there with him. However, his livestock and his herd were causing friction with his uncle, and we find Jacob once again hearing from God after 21 years. That same God he met at Bethel came to him again, and he tells him to leave. Genesis 31 and 3. The Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers, to your relatives. I will be with you. We see him say that quite frequently. I will be with you. You heard that this morning. So Jacob sent a message for Rachel and Leah to come to the field where his flocks were. There he said to them, I can tell you your father's attitude toward me, Laban, has changed. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father as hard as I could, but your father has humiliated me. He has changed my wages ten times, but God has permitted him to do me no harm, or any harm, not permitted. He said, the speckled animals will be your wage, and then the entire flock gave birth to speckled offspring. But if he said, the streaked animals will be your wage, then the entire flock given would be streaked offspring. In this way, God has snatched away your, God, your father's livestock and has given it to me. God of promises begins to fulfill his promises. He begins to fulfill in Jacob's life and starts giving him livestock and herd and family. So Jacob and his entourage leave in a hurry, and Laban finds out, and he gathers several men to chase them down. They find Jacob, and they accuse him of stealing foreign gods. Jacob challenges Laban, that if they find the gods the person stole, they should be put to death. However, Laban doesn't find the idols, and both Jacob and Laban make a covenant, and both part from their ways. 
After that interaction, we see Jacob again in chapter 32, verse 1. So Jacob went his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he exclaimed, this is the camp of God. So he, called, he named that place Mahanam, the two camps that Israel works. One heavenly and one physical. What Jacob saw was angels walking around, and he noticed he was different. Jacob sent messages on ahead to his brother Esau in the land of Seir to the region of Edom. And he commanded them, this is what you must say to my Lord Esau. As he makes his way back, he had made his brother angry. He stole his blessing. And Esau vowed to kill him. Just a really good uh, soap opera here. This is what your servant Jacob says. I have been staying with Laban until now, verse 5, and I have oxen, donkeys, sheep, male and female servants. I have sent this message to inform my Lord so that I may find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob and said, We went to your brother Esau. He's coming to meet you with 400 men. Probably movers to help him move all his stuff. That is not the case, my dear brothers and sisters. Jacob was very afraid and upset, so he divided the people who were with him into two camps, as well as the flocks, the herds, and the camels. If Esau attacks one camp, he thought, then the other camp will be able to escape. Then Jacob prayed, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you said to me, return to your land. This was your idea. And to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am not worthy of all the faithful love you have shown your servant. With, my own, with, my, uh, well, with only my walking stick, I crossed the Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Rescue me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, as well as the mothers with their children. But you said, I will certainly make you prosper and make your descendants like the sand on the seashore, too numerous to count. He went right back to the God of promises. He went right back to what God told him originally. I'm reading a lot of scripture because I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. Then we find ourselves, we skip down to verse 22 in the same chapter. During the night, after Jacob has sent everybody away, took his two wives, his female servants, his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. And he took him and sent them across the stream with all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Then a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw he could not defeat Jacob, he struck the socket of his hip. So the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. I will not let you go, Jacob replied, unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? He answered, Jacob. No longer will your name be Jacob, the man told him, but Israel, because you have fought with God and with man, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, please tell me your name. Why do you ask my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, explaining, certainly I have seen God face to face, and I have survived. Now watch this. The sun rose over him, and as he crossed over Peniel, 
but he was limping because of his hip. Jacob met God at Peniel, but this was a very different God. He was not the God that he met at Bethel. The God at Bethel was a God of promises, and this God at Peniel was a God that demanded a fight. The God of Peniel was not giving promises, but was demanding commitment. The God of Peniel demanded consecration. The God of Peniel demanded transformation. The God of Peniel required something, and Jacob did not like the God he met at Peniel. This was not the same God. The God I met at first told me all the things I would get and I would inherit. This different God this different God is demanding a walk with him. He's demanding I listen to his voice. He's demanding I change. This is a different God. Obviously, I'm talking to a very different God. And what does he do when he meets the God of Peniel? He finally takes away his ability to stand. I can no longer stand on my own. I like the God of promises. I like the God of inheritance. I don't like this God of Peniel. I don't like being demanded things, God. I don't want to change. I don't want transformation. I just want your blessing. Oh, my dear brothers, my dear sisters, it doesn't work that way with this God. He's going to demand some things. Well, that's such, a, that's such a hard word, demand. I don't like that. That's how kings talk. They don't ask for your opinion. I grab the cane and I walk. I'm no longer dependent on my own abilities, but I am completely dependent on his. You know who the God-fearers are. They walk different. They're limping. Because no longer they're depending on their own thinking. They're listening to the voice of God. People will recognize you by your walk. The reason this God is changing is because you're seeing different parts of him. He not only gives, but he takes away. The same God, this infinite, infinite God that cannot be measured, he will continue to change as you begin to really see him for all his fullness. Do you like what you hear? I want to walk. I don't like walking with a cane. It's slow. But he takes away your ability to walk. That you're completely leaning on him. So whether you have an introduction to God, 
Or you're at the phase where you've met God of the pineal. Walk with him. If you haven't been baptized, that's great because you can take on his name. In Jesus' name. If you haven't met this God, you know what? You can take him home with you. Baptism of spirit. But just remember, when you take this God home, he'll slowly start requiring things. Now an old man and the God he first met at Bethel comes to him one final time where he first met him. Genesis 46 and 1. And so Israel began his journey, taking with him all that he had. And when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifice to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in a vision during the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, he replied, I am here. Here I am, he said. I am the God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I myself will certainly bring you back from there. And watch this, and Joseph will close your eyes. His favorite son will be at your deathbed. He met God. Whether he has introduced himself to you or you found yourself at Peniel, God asks for commitment. He asks, or I should say demands, change. The music could come. Well, I have something better. Just give me the promises and not the cane. But it doesn't work that way with God. He takes away. He begins to break. He begins to move. We could stand. This changing God. He's not changing. It's not a different God. It's the same God. The problem is, you just haven't met all of him. He still fulfilled the promises. He was with it the entire time. I just don't think he was thinking about limping the entire time. It's nice meeting the God of promises. I just don't like the God of Peniel. Jesus, Lord, wherever people are on their walk, whether they've just met you or, Lord, they've on a long walk with you, I pray that you'd be with them, Jesus. And, Lord, if you're, if you're demanding some things, I pray they listen. I pray they understand, Lord, that you're still with them that you still know where they are and that you're a very patient God and you will walk as long as you want with people until they see everything. 
because you're a God full of mercy and grace and you love everyone. You love everyone here today, Jesus. You care for them. You brought them here this morning, Jesus. You spoke to us this morning that you have not forgotten us, Lord. And that ultimately, Lord, you're all we need. Jesus, Jesus' name. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Whether you want to pray in your pew or whether you want to come down to the altar, why don't you have an encounter with this changing God? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.